A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. podcast that revisits classic horror films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at the iconic coming-of-age story, Monster Squad, starring a cast whose latest work is being featured in myriad where-are-they-now articles. Monster Squad dares to answer the question you were all afraid to ask out loud, does the Wolfman have nards? (laughs) With me, as always, is Dr. Anthony Ladon. Somehow I've been reduced to this. (laughs) Earlier today, I was having a Zoom conversation with this guy in Brazil, and I'm supervising his master's thesis. And I finished that conversation, I looked over to my wife and said, my next Zoom conversation is about the Monster Squad. (laughs) And she said, you live a very strange life. (laughs) Did she watch it with it? She did not, none, no one, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. I should say my son watched it with me because I asked. And he said, I'll watch it with you if I can come and go as I please. And you never saw him again. <laughs> he was on his phone and every now and again I would pause it and say, hey, watch the special <laughs> effect. And he would either hear me or not hear me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so... Yeah, it, it was it was sort of like I had half of a companion in this this rewatch. <laughs> I shouldn't say rewatch. This was my first time watching the Monster Squad. I was a virginal adopter. Yeah, I wish the, my wife's like, how many times have I had to watch this with you? Did she watch it this time around? Um, she sat. <laughs> she was on her phone a lot. She would pop up every once in a while to ask the like. I think the question that sort of feels like the theme for Monster Squad: Why though? <laughs> but but why? Though? So that tells me a little bit of your history with the film. But I'd like to hear, like, how did you inca- first encounter the Monster Squad? Yeah, I don't think I don't. I can't say for sure. It might it might have been theater. And I mean, what is this? Is eighty six? I think it's eighty seven. It might be so I'm 11 years old. I mean, this is sweet spot, right? I mean, this is who wouldn't be going to the movie theater to see Monster Squad at 11 years old. 
And as an 11-year-old, did it work for you? I think <laughs> I think as an 11-year-old, I thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had a few notes as an 11-year-old. Right. Yeah. I mean... You know, it, it was. It's a little foul-mouthed. It's it's a little violent. It's got uh, monsters. Uh, there's a there's just a, a hint of, of promiscuity. You know, mm-hmm. that's fun. Uh, just from that perspective, I think it checks a lot of eleven-year-old boxes. Well, it was you now, liked now the it degree, in, yeah. <laughs> the degree to how many times I've seen it since. That's. That's open for discussion. <laughs> so I think that people should probably, and they probably know this about you by now, but people should understand that sometimes you will rewatch movies because you like the movie. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you will rewatch movies because you like how much you hate the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm wondering, is which is this? Which one is this one for you? Honestly, I think I keep watching because I'm not sure. Um, it's so this movie's like what 82 minutes long or something. It's under an hour and a half. Yeah, this podcast may be longer than the movie. And what's interesting to me is that we, you know, we just talked about the Batman and how oh could could have been shrunk down 30 minutes. I think even in Wolf we said like ah there was some extended at least I did there was some extended uh, scenes that could have been maybe brought yeah. in a little bit and uh, and this is one where it's like opposite right i mean you need like another half hour because there's so need... many things that are unexplained in this movie i just right I and had, that's the, I... yeah like i said the theme being why <laughs> but why <laughs> <laughs> and i'm and i'm the kind of guy that's because i've seen this enough times where i'm just where i've created like you know my own and like sort of like what people do with game of thrones right like i've got my own fan theories you know as to why um dracula <laughs> calls the phone like why he calls and leaves a message and then like i'm assuming he panics and when they goes who may i ask is calling and he's about to say dracula and he's like oh crap i can't say dracula so he's like uh uh and he just happens to be like <laughs> looking at into a mirror you can't see his reflection obviously but behind him you can see his name badge and it's re- reversed and so he says alucard my name is Mr. Alucard. He's like, oh man, that was a close one. I almost said Dracula. <laughs> and I mean, I like how he's I calling. Was... He's calling. I mean, he can fly. He's a bat. He can. We've seen him fly just as, as Dracula. Uh, there's electricity. There's super strength. But he's like, he's very patient with this plant. <laughs> well, okay. So Dracula is for me has most of the questions. <laughs> In this movie, mm-hmm. you know, we talked a little bit last time about why a werewolf needs a pitchfork. Right. This film had like two dozen of those. Like, <laughs> like, like, why does Dracula need to use a phone or whatever? But the one that keeps coming back to me is like, he's got superhuman powers, but his weapon of choice is dynamite. Yeah, dynamite. <laughs> why? Well, what, why? what is it about dynamite? I was really trying, I was giving it some thought. I was like, okay, so he's from the past. Maybe like dynamite was like the newfangled weapon back the last time he was even awake. He didn't even know about guns. So I was trying to make it work, but 
it was just over and over and over. What what is it about? I didn't know that there was a dynamite element to the Dracula lore. <laughs> well, what's I mean, it's and it's why he it's what he's using the dynamite for that is even more vexing, yeah. right? Because at one point he's trying to find uh, the amulet, and <laughs> sure. so what he does is he takes like a little hammer and he knocks a pretty good size hole. In the mm. wall. About the size that a bat could fly through, by the way. <laughs> right. And uh, and he looks through it, and then he's like, ooh, I gotta, I'm just, the only thing between me and that amulet is this wall that can be hit with a hammer <laughs> and opened. But, but I should probably dynamite it later. <laughs> and watch that scene again. If, I mean, if you haven't watched it a bunch, like, like I have, uh, he, he <laughs> hits the hole and he goes to peer into it, but he actually holds the wall together because when he hit it, the whole thing was going to crumble. <laughs> so he has to hold it up to do that scene. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> oh, goodness. And it, and it kind of it feels like he's like, he knows. He knows he can just bust through it. And like the wolf man's going to be like, cool, let's go get it. He's like, but I want to use dynamite. I like that he knows that he might not get another take. Because this movie feels this like this house a one falls take. down, the movie may end. They may not yeah. be able to make this movie if the house falls down. Yeah, <laughs> or at least the guy who's over there making fake sticks of dynamite. Well, then what am I even here for? <laughs> so, all right. When I think of Dracula, and I think of like Transylvanian, sort of the the castle where he lives, you know, sleeping in a coffin. I don't think about armadillos very often. <laughs> just got pet armadillos hanging right. around. Yeah. The castle, in, the castle in Transylvania's got just, they're just rotten with armadillos. <laughs> Are armadillos scary? Is that is that the idea? What's the idea here? Or is this like... The Texas location. <laughs> the whole movie is just a series of questions, right? I mean, it's like it provides you answers, but the more answers you get, the the more questions come out of them, right? I mean, it's... What's... I want to interview someone who's worked on this movie. I want to ask, like, what was the idea with the armadillos? Are there extra scenes? What's this? Was this movie originally three hours long? And you had to cut it down. Is there anything that you can tell me that would make sense of this movie? <laughs> Do you have an elevator pitch for this movie? Uh, Goonies meets Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> I think Goonies is right on because it. I was looking at when Goonies came out. And I, right. It absolutely looks like, whoa, Goonies was a hit. Let's try to figure out how we can make Goonies happen again. Yeah. This is a lot of bad movies are made because of some other movie's success. Sure. And and sometimes it'll work, you know? know, Alien was Jaws in Space, whatever. At least that's how it's marketed, right? Hmm. Uh, Sometimes it really doesn't work. And Goonies with Monsters seems like a good idea, but you have to be good at making movies to pull it off. (laughs) Well... I mean, it sounds like you didn't like this movie. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait to we'll wait to hear 
the how this ranks on the Howard scale yeah. a little bit later. But sure. I do have a few other questions first. Well, there's a lot of questions, man. I'm gonna do what I can to answer. Is this film anti-science, Steve? Because I'm I'm a worried about the impact that it might have on our listeners. <laughs> well, I mean, right out the gate, right? These kids are not into science, and uh, and they're into monsters, right? But here, so so I think really more than anything, I think it's anti-skepticism. The principal in this is obviously he's a caricature of of a skeptic, right? And he's he's basically saying, look, you guys should pay as much attention to science as you do monsters because science is real. And monsters are not. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens in this film when the monsters are real? Uh, you know, they, they were like, hey, look, you know, it was almost like there had to be a way that how can we meet in the middle? You know, well, the way that they meet in the middle, apparently, is that Dracula is a chemist. Right. Yeah. So, OK. So, yeah, I think that this film sort of sets up this dichotomy between the people who believe in monsters and the people who don't. Right. Right. And of course, these kids, because they believe in monsters, they've got something that the adults don't have. Well, they have. Well, yeah, they have a plan. They have. They they know what's up. They they, you know, they they break and it causes them to break down boundaries, right? Like they go and they hang out with the you know scary German guy, right? And and that's that's a big moment, right? I think. I mean, I think it it really uh, helps. You know, it bridges the the age gap. It uh, conquers xenophobia. Um, there's well, it's also a it's also gives us a nice little portrait of Jewish Christian relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, so it's uh, it, I feel like you're coming on my side here, which is good, and I'm glad we had a chance to unpack it because I mean it, it it's so nuanced um, that it's it's on a first watch I could see why you would miss some of these things. So I've got a question that my son had came up with. What's so, wrong with you, Dad? So one of his early questions was, you got this cool kid mm-hmm. who we know is cool because he wears a leather jacket and smokes cigarettes while he's riding a bicycle, right? Yeah. Odd choice of a bicycle, too, by the way. This guy, he doesn't care what people think of him. He's mm. kind of marching to the beat of his own drum. But anyway, my son asked, why does he want to be a part of the Monster Squad? Uh, see, I actually had that in my notes. My <laughs> I question, think- I said, I said, is... Well, you go ahead, but yeah, I have my. Oh. No, I, I, we're already there. I just I was curious why he, why this kid I, would want to be part of the monster squad. I said, is he into monsters or is he just a perv? I think he really wants to be part of this. I think that there's something that these guys have that he hasn't been able to find. He's, he's a loner. He's a loner. Maybe he just wants. He doesn't want people to fear him. He wants to be loved. You come for the monsters, stay for the friendship. Mm-hmm. He's also one of the characters that, when he's asking about whether or not the <laughs> they need a virgin to read some sort of you know spell or charm or something, mm-hmm. and so they get one of the kids' sisters and ask her if she's a virgin. But what they really say is, "Have you been dorked?" Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, I've 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 been uncomfortable in films like watching stuff, you know, seen with maybe you know a kid or some sort of grotesque thing. But hearing the word "dork" used as a verb, I just it's just unsettling. It's, it's just no. I mean, and there was such a buildup. Like they knew what they were going to do to us too. 
Okay, so related to this, at the end of the movie, uh, my son asks, like, I don't get it. Were none of them virgins? <laughs> and I mean, it was clear to me that, like, of course, they needed a virgin to read this particular charm. But I think that the unspoken rule was it had to be female. Yeah. I think there was a lot of unspoken rules. Because Cause I, cause Heather, Heather's over there. Going, why are they? Because, like, she was like, how, why are they even asking her if she's, in fact, uh, been dort? Gotta go back. When they used dork as a verb, they also had already used it as a noun, as an insult. And then when it becomes a verb, it's just so graphic. It is so graphic, Anthony. I can't. I never. I mean, the idea of a woman, somebody's daughter, getting dorked? I don't know, man. That bothers me. It's, it's a that should have got an R rating. It's a very uncomfortable scene. It's it is the most offensive non swear I've ever heard. Uh, this is the only time I've ever heard dork used as a verb. I don't even like saying it. And I can only, I can only imagine that they didn't really know how kids talked or this was what they imagined that was happening on the playgrounds. Cause it didn't take off. Not like everybody was using it afterwards. I mean, you no. and I were, I was 11 years old when I heard this and I didn't walk out of the theater Using the term dork as a verb. Oh, I'm sure you were traumatized. Oh, yeah. I mean, I blocked that one out. I think it took three rewatches before I finally heard it. So one of the things that Heather had a hard time with was, she's like, the, the, the kid that they uh, called Fat Kid. <laughs> Solid nickname, by the way. Yeah. Uh, she's like, he's not even that fat. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, maybe compared to the other. She's like, yeah, she's, like, she's just like, ah, he's like Hollywood fat. So she, she's, she's like, no, shouldn't call him Fat Kid. I mean, she's like, maybe you just make fun of him because of his dumb face. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't think he's so much fat. I think he's just melting. Yeah. And so I said, wait. So, well, for a second, I thought you were like kind of doing this whole positive body image thing. And like, oh, he's not a fat kid. Like, he's just a dumb face kid. Like, so if he'd been called dumb face throughout the movie. She wouldn't have had any objections. <laughs> he does have a face that makes you wonder if he's actually getting what you're saying. So that brings us to Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein's moron. Got so many questions about Frankenstein. So Frankenstein's monster, who they just call Frank, right? He's got some kind of backstory with Dracula that is completely unspoken. Like, why is Frank the servant of Dracula? Because Dracula... Dracula's the the Nick Fury of this whole thing. I need I need a little bit more. I need to I need to know how they met. I'm less concerned about why he's his servant as to why Dracula needs him to get these kids. <laughs> that, well, that was my second question. I mean, he these they're kids. You know, Frankenstein is not the most reliable or the most efficient servant. Then why are you sending him to do your dirty work? And it was like such an effort to bring him back to life. You know, I mean, just go and, you know, man, his cane. He's got like this cane that like has electrodes and stuff. And and uh, and then and then he, I mean, it's like the whole time you're just like, look, you, you, 
you got their phone number and you just just go over there <laughs> just just go just right now like right now they're probably asleep it's nighttime and they're children uh you could probably just you could probably walk right in actually you know how i know that because you did it like everywhere else like you just were throwing police officers you don't think you could throw a child I mean, I guess you might have suspected, well, you know, <laughs> they got pizza in their pockets. So Frank is, he's an interesting character because I think that of all of these monsters, he's the most complex, even though he's, he's not the brightest monster no. around. But he but has a function, right? He, he has feelings, like he, he doesn't want to be ugly. I think he knows that he's scary but he he wants to be likable he wants to be i think he wants to be part of the monster squad so he, he is is he, a monster he is to the monsters as maybe uh the junior high kid is to the monster squad right um, sure to some degree uh you know it's like he's like he wants to be a part of something he just wanted to be a part of something he didn't want to be lonely which is does fit with the frankenstein that i know from literature he doesn't want to be alone right doesn't want to be lonely, and so maybe he he fell into the you know to the wrong he fell into the wrong crowd really. So you're Dracula, and you got you got two things you need, right? You need the amulet, yeah, and you need the book. You want to bring the world under eternal evil. You need the amulet and the book. I gotta get the book. I gotta get the amulet. I know where the amulet is. The amulet is in one spot. Uh, the book is with children. Mm-hmm. I have a team. I've assembled a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a mummy, <laughs> yeah, a wolf man, Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. and uh, what is in the credits as Gillman. See, I was going to ask, who's the shape of water guy? It's Gillman. Uh, and I'm looking around at those guys, and I'm thinking, I'm Dracula, right? This is, uh, I can fly. I can. I'm super strong. Um. <laughs> Could turn into a bat. We've sure, seen yeah. him do yeah, that yeah, several yeah. times. Yep. So that's cool. But I'm opting not to do that for the book because I'm going to use my powers to fetch dynamite. All right. So that's, I'm busy. I'm going to dynamite, the, I'm going to dynamite this house for the amulet. Fine. Okay. So, oh, I need someone to go get the book. My options are Frankenstein's monster, obviously number one pick in his draft. Um, but his other options were mummy. All right, I'm not really sure what the mummy's function is. It's to go really slow. Well, he's got a limp. He's got a limp everywhere. Right? He's he's not like the mummy from like you know the movies where he's like got a curse or he's got any kind of magic. He's just slow. Like that's his. That's what he brings. He's slow. He's a, he's the ultimate liability. Right. All right. So the mummy maybe maybe not the mummy. Maybe we don't use the mummy. I'm not you know. Jury's out. Uh, there's Gilman. As far as I can tell, he can come out of water, and he has. I don't know if it's one of those things where he can be out for just a little bit, but he seems like he seems yoked. That dude is. He's in shape, right? And I don't know. I think, but then again, it's like, okay, well, his primary function in this journey is to stay wet most of the time. Well, I've seen Shape of Water, so I'm guessing whenever he's not on screen, he's off trying to hook up with human women. Got it. Okay. So he's busy. So he's, he's busy. He's going to yeah. be busy most of the time. Yeah. 
He's got that Gabe Kapler bod. What else is he, you know, what else is he going to do? All right. So, so mummy liability, uh, Gilman is, uh, he's just easily distracted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now the Wolfman, it, sa- it's, it seems like his plan is I'm going to keep Wolfman with me. I'm going to keep the Wolfman with me at the house when I'm dynamiting. And well, and that makes sense because the Wolfman is sort of a dual personality, and you can't really trust one of the personalities. Right. So you don't want to. So, so I'm wondering if maybe the mistake was how much he likes dynamite, right? Like, like if he had instead said, "Hey, Frankenstein's monster, could you dynamite this wall for me, or punch through it?" I'm, you know, but if you if you could dynamite this wall for me, I'll go and fly, <laughs> and then just take the book. Because, and then that'll be it, right? I mean, I feel like that's it. I feel like that. And that movie is even shorter, obviously. But it is. It brings up so many questions, right? I mean, the strategy is very odd. I mean, Dracula's not a planner. Dracula has a number of. Maybe he's overconfident. He didn't account for the Monster Squad. And their exhaustive knowledge of monster lore. Right. He was just playing fast and loose. Didn't really think it through. Just underestimated the Monster Squad. I think he had done his research on the Monster Squad, but at that point they hadn't uh, recruited the junior high kid yet. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So so that was a wild card. Uh Um, Because I I think it's a fair question to say, what is the Monster Squad? What what did they... What do they do? Like, how do... (laughs) I mean, they give he, tests. They give monster tests. The monster quizzes. Uh, they scream a lot. They fall. I tell you what, they've got the best part of this movie is how cool their their treehouse is. That's a really great treehouse. So, yeah, it is a good. It is a good treehouse. It's for sure a good treehouse, and the location is great if you're in junior high. Now, was it? Was there a star in this movie? It was like, I mean, not like, like who was the main? Was there a main character? Like, I think we're we're led to believe that the main character is. The son. Yeah, he's sort of the leader of the gang, the son of the cop. He's the he's the leader of the monster squad. I don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Is his name important? I don't know. I I should remember it. I've seen, <laughs> you, it, seen this movie a bunch. I'm leaning on you, man. Yeah, I the only name I remember is Alucard. Do you feel like that uh, Dracula was a bit more Nordic than he's normally portrayed? <laughs> a touch, yeah, and a little less vampire-y. He yes, that's right. It was vampire cosplay. It was what it seemed like, right? I mean, and here's a, and I, I will say this, um, in you know, as I try to accentuate the positive, the monsters look pretty good, except for the Wolfman. Well, yeah, the, the Wolfman looks he he looks real bad. Well, and well, you know my feeling about about Wolfmen. I I think that that's what's going to make or break a movie for me. I feel like. If you could do the wolf well, then you got me. I'm like, I will forgive almost everything else. So what was your issue was the fact that he couldn't turn his neck? <laughs> he didn't have much of a snout. Oh. Uh, sure. Okay. That's fair. Um, I felt like he had a snout. I mean, I've seen less snouts for sure. See, I thought that the wolfman was, was not bad. You know, obviously he had to move his entire shoulders to, to turn his head, which was a problem. But hey, man, you know, being a wolf man is, you take the good with the bad, right? We learned that with the movie Wolf, right? You have heightened senses. 
Well, in addition to heightened senses, maybe you just have supernatural peripheral vision. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So you don't need to turn your head at all. Well, yeah, you don't have to. I mean, your, your ears and your smell is your peripheral vision at that point. Um, I mean, I thought the mummy looked cool. I mean, again, he it, it served what I would say would probably be maybe even less than zero purpose. If anything, is it, like I said, liability? Yeah, that's, that's my next question. Why a mummy? Like, what? Why are mummies, like, why even a mummy? Well, it was very like, much... Why, the, why is there even such a thing? <laughs> I almost feel like there's a little Bill and Ted quality here. Like, maybe uh, it's a uh, indictment of our time in the late 80s, right? So that was, it was a uh, kind of a holding up the mirror of society and saying, great people in this age would be dumb people. They would... To quote the song from Monster Squad, they would party till their brains fall out. Yeah, true. And yeah, I mean, you're sleeping on the soundtrack. <laughs> Michael Sambello? Hello. Thank you. Thank you for proving you weren't a one-trick pony with uh, a maniac from Flashdance. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't heard Michael Sambello's Automatic Man, give it a, give it a listen. I have not. I'll have to give that. Also, Michael Cimbello, uh Now, the rap at the end of the movie, when you go to the credits, it just says it's performed by Monster Squad. Like, there's a band named Monster Squad, which I don't know that they did any other work. I'm trying to find, like, Monster Squad's greatest hits. And I, I couldn't find them. They were a one-hit wonder? I, I couldn't uh, find them on iTunes, which means that they're probably one of those really, uh, you know, kind of those uptight artists. That are like trying to keep their royalties. They don't want. They don't want the man dipping into their coffers. You know what I mean? I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. After after that, and and Michael Cimbello, uh it plays a hand in that. I know he's a. I know he's a writer of the of the Monster Squad rap. So I don't know if that also means that he was in fact in the band of Monster Squad. So that's cool. But yeah. So like. So so he takes. So so if you think if you take the the Bill and Ted uh, mythology. And you apply it to, uh, to to Monster Squad, and Dracula's just collecting all these monsters who act there, at any given time. When when the mummy was the mummy, when the mummy was in his in the height of his powers, whatever those might have been, uh, maybe he was faster. I don't know, but like he, it didn't translate to uh, modern society, right? So he's just sort of lumbering around, and it's like when you're the mummy, you're like I don't really have to deal with cars. <laughs> was there a, a trope? Or a cliche or a device that worked for you in this movie? <laughs> you sound like maybe you're skeptical that there, there's something that worked in this movie. I feel like I feel like maybe there's a subtext here that you don't you don't think this movie is very good. Um, I'm just asking a question. <laughs> um, I try to anticipate all these questions, but this one was. I was trying to think, I'm like, what did I, I, hey, you know, I liked it when the, when the bully got his comeuppance, you know, you had to eat that, you had to eat that Snickers bar that was stepped on. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand why he stepped on it in the first place. Why wouldn't he just take it? It's a Snickers bar. Take the kid's Snickers bar. Step on a Snickers bar. So and so. So that was good. I thought that was, that was really, it was, it was a powerful moment in the beginning. Yeah, I think for me it's the treehouse. Just just the treehouse and existing. I yeah, I just thought that's that's a pretty cool treehouse. You know, it's sort of cliche that the kids will have the squad is going to have a home base in a treehouse. But that was a pretty cool treehouse. Now you have a treehouse. 
I used to have a tree. You used to have a tree. Yeah. Moved. Yeah, I, bu- I built a I built a big tree house for my kids. And now see that that's yeah, that's be- that's because we're you know yeah well you're a generation we're a generation now where we build tree houses because we grew up assuming that tree houses would be more um, you know mm-hmm. uh, accessible. Did you ever have a tree house growing up, or did you know anybody that had a tree house growing up? Uh, no. Right. See, in these did. films, kids are in tree houses. Boys are in tree houses all the time, and. Uh, and you and I were not wanting for trees or places with trees, right? So I moved into a house that had like a tree platform. So sure. it, it had, you could climb up stair or, you know, a ladder. And then it was just a platform that was attached to a tree. So you were just higher than uh, other things. So that was it. That was the closest I ever came to a tree house. I don't know that I've ever been in a tree house. Now that I think about it. So you're saying that. I built a treehouse for the youth I wished I had. Yes. Yeah, you're probably right. That was a lot of work, too. <laughs> well, yeah. And who was supposed to have built these treehouses in all these movies? Is it the parents in these cases? Because that didn't seem like it, right? No, it was It was one of those things where it's like, every kid needs a treehouse. I didn't even stop to think, like, did I, know, did I ever know anyone with a treehouse? Um. Hmm. So, I have a bunch of trees, no treehouse, but you know how to build treehouses. So, maybe next time you're in this part of, uh, of the country, uh, I could commission you to build a treehouse. And I think what would be great if you did that, that could be the studio in which I record this podcast. So, it's like you and I would be mm-hmm. like, you know, like we would have walkie-talkies, but it would be Zoom. Yeah, sure. I'm going to get right on that. Was there a half the battle when the grow on moment for you in this movie? Uh, yeah. Always hang on to the pizza. The pe- <laughs> make sure there's always garlic. You Make sure you always order extra garlic on your pizza. Yeah. Because you never know when you're going to need to burn a vampire face. So did the... I forget. You would think I'd remember considering I've seen it. But the sort of the vortex, just it sucked up all of them because all the monsters were out, right? Okay, so there's another issue. All right, so it sucked up all the monsters, including Frank. Which it didn't. Which, why? why this is like to? your your ET moment. Right. Where sort of like Frank had to leave, but Frank is sort of always going to be remembered as an honorary member of the Monster Squad, I suppose. It's almost like the when they saw Goonies and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know. If, nobody wants to bring Sloth home. Why did they? What did they adopt him at the end of Goonies?" And they're like, "So this is kind of like." Their opportunity to say, like, look, let's be realistic here, okay? So, here's what I didn't get. Van Helsing comes out of the vortex just in time to fight Dracula as Dracula is going back into the vortex. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't understand how this <laughs> vortex is working. I mean, it's almost as if it would have made more sense if, if, in order to get Dracula into the vortex, Frankenstein had to grab him. Right, so Frankenstein would have left, mm. and then it would be like, "No, don't leave," and he had to to bring Dracula back. But instead, it was just like, nah, "I gotta go." <laughs> I gotta, so that yeah, brings yeah. us <laughs> brings us to: Is there a tweak that you would have? <laughs> yeah, I would add a, a half hour minimum. <laughs> At least I want to see a better wolf. You want to move, move his head transition? 
Oh, the transition. I want the, no, the transition was fine. Was I want to no. I want to see the Every wolf become like he's, he's like uh, tapioca everywhere. Mm-hmm. Remember how powerful it was when he got shot and he said thank you and then dying. I I like that for sure. I like that part of a werewolf mythology that the person who's about to turn into a wolf knows that he's going to do it and he wants to protect the people around him and he knows that he can't. Yeah. So I think that that's the cliche that works for me, I suppose. Okay. But um, I just want, when he turns into a wolf, I want him to be scary. I don't want him to look like Tweety Bird. <laughs> he kind of had a Tweety uh, Bird. Maybe when Tweety Bird turns into like uh, Mr. Hyde. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, right. that's what that was. You're right. Okay. Um, so, so that yeah, that's my. I, I guess if I, I was gonna cha- just change one thing about the movie, Steve, is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard film? It's Ron Howard adjacent. <laughs> you are not even putting it on the scale. I don't think I can put it on the scale. It's impossible to rate. I'm I'm gonna call this easily a Howard. Negative seven. I was. I thought you might go minus eleven, but uh, I, so you liked it better than I thought. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what. After the movie was done, my my son was like, "I don't think this movie was as bad as you thought it was," which I thought it was interesting that he said that. And in his words, he said, "Why are you so willing to flame your own generation?" Wow, that's power. And I, it, it certainly gave me pause. Why am I so willing to flame my own generation? Uh, and I'm still thinking about it. I, I'll be honest. I don't have an answer for that yet. The thing that, about this movie is that it was pretty consistent. Yeah, I'll give it that. It doesn't It was. It, it, it knew what it was from the beginning. It kept the same tone. It wasn't trying to be more than it was. This movie knew that it was sort of catering to, you know, nine and 10 year olds in your case, an 11 year old. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't like hodgepodge tonally. It was consistent. So he's considering you think it was bad. It was bad all the way through. And that was a positive for at the very beginning. It told me what it was and it did not disappoint. What other monster could have been brought in besides the mummy? A witch. A witch? Why not a witch? Or maybe have the mummy do something. <laughs> or maybe have the mummy do something. Like, I mean, that's an option. <laughs> Was brought out of the grave to die. Like, he doesn't this do guy's, anything. This guy's really good at being dead. So you so you're not going to rank this. You're not going to give me a Howard. You're not going to. I I know people care about this kind of thing. Like how I don't even know because like, I because uh, the whole thought is put this in Howard's hand. What do you get? And I think I it, I do have to give it a Howard minus two. Really? Uh, that well, you do certainly enjoy it enough to rewatch it. I do enjoy it enough to rewatch it. I feel like. I feel like Howard would have left... Le- I feel like Howard would have... I don't know that he would have done more with the monsters, but I think he would have done more with answering some of these questions. 
Did you catch the name of the horror film that they were watching? It was Groundhog Day. It was Groundhog Day Part, part 12. Yeah, Part 12, that's right. <laughs> I didn't know that the sequels of Groundhog Day... Gets darker and darker. I, I mean, I'll be honest, I've only ever seen the first. Well, I think what I think what it does is because you, you don't know how long he's trapped. So what you see are some of the darker days in the sequels. Yeah, so right. Phil. So cause, I mean, there were some days where Phil Phil Connors just goes around and uh, starts killing people because he knows because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? So it's just it's just bloodlust. <laughs> Phil Phil Connors. <laughs> so I thought one thing that we could do, Steve, was alert listeners to the movies that we're going to cover next season. And I so thought that way, that way they can be turned off early. Yeah, they'll know. They'll know how bad this is going to get. Yeah, I like how we finish this off going, hey, we looked at the data. We know what we're doing wrong. We're going to continue to do it wrong, but we're going to give everybody ample warning so that our numbers are, are worse out the gate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So my suggestion to you was that we each come up with six movies. And we spring them on each other right now. So I yeah. don't know what you're going to say, and you you don't know what I'm going to say, but I've come up with categories for the kinds of movies that we will be selecting. Now, are we going to do this like a draft? Yeah, I thought we'd sort of go back and forth here. Okay. Here are the categories. At least two of these movies have to be off of our list of 20 that we've already come up with, which are almost exclusively horror, right? Right. And so, and to be clear for our... Uh... For our audience, I mean, there's no, like, science behind it. This just happened to be the ones that we put down. Yeah, I mean, so they're categories that mean more to us than they do probably the audience. But they're categories nonetheless. That's right. So so we are both going to come up with two titles off the list. And we're each going to choose a title that is not on our list. Mm-hmm. And we're each going to choose a title that the, the chooser, the selector, has not seen, right? So right. this, if, I'm going to make a selection of a movie that I have not seen. And the horror, the, the not on the list has to be in the horror thriller genre still. The not on the list, I think, could be whatever you want it to be. Mm, but it can't like be on the list. Think you've, already, you've already changed the rules. Okay, so whatever. It, whatever you want to the, do. These are your rules. We each must select two films from our previously established mm-hmm. list. Yeah. We must each select a horror slash thriller that is not on the list. Okay, yeah. We'll go with what I wrote. Well, that's what I did. Because those are the rules. Okay, good. And then we're going to select a movie we have not seen, which mm-hmm. could be on the list. Right. Could be on the list, yeah. We're each going to select one non-thriller horror movie. Mm-hmm. And then finally... We each select a wild card. All right. So that'll give us 12. If we each select six, that'll give us 12 for the next season. Mm-hmm. If we do want to keep the the lucky number 13 as our season size. I like it. Then we need a 13th selection. And we have previously decided to do a recap retrospective on season one of severance which is on apple tv so my guess is that it will be one of our earlier episodes when we reconvene for season two yes i would think so right because we'd be approaching the end of the season fairly soon i would think 
Yeah, I think that there are two more episodes of Severance, and we'll probably be back in a couple weeks, so that'll work out perfectly. Okay, so I'm going to let you go first, uh, Steve, and you can just check off any category that you choose right now. I'm going to go right off the list, right out the gate. All right. I'm going to choose John Carpenter's They Live. All right, excellent. Well, I've not seen They Live. Ooh. Uh, but I'm... Excellent. They live. All right. So that is your first selection. Yeah. My first selection is The Fly. Oh, cool, cool. Like the Oh man, that's such a good one. This is uh I want you to know that I like I don't have a lot of experience with horror previous to this podcast anyway. So while I don't have a lot of experience with horror, The Fly is something that I saw back in the day. I think I probably saw this in the early 90s. Interesting, interesting watch for you. I mean, it's it's pretty horrific. And I, yeah, no, it, it certainly is. And I don't think I knew that going in. I think it was uh, on television. See, back in the day, kids, you just would like flip channels, right, and see what's on. And if you see Jeff Goldblum and he's building sci-fi kind of stuff, you think I'm in. I'm interested. I'll, I'll watch some of this. But anyway, I did watch this back in the day, and I do remember. Uh, being horrified, yeah, pleasantly. By that. Yeah, I uh, I watched it for the first time last year. Okay. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Late adopter. One Very of the few times adopter. that that you're the late adopter. Right. No. This and is that I have history. All right. Yeah. yeah. O- oddly enough, my 21 uh, year old daughter said, "What? You haven't seen The Fly? It's one of my favorites." And I'm like, I guess Jeff Goldblum has a has a weird. Fa- People have a weird fascination with Jeff Goldblum. I don't think there's another kind of fascination you can have with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> all right, what's your next selection? Um, all right, I'm gonna go. Uh, we'll go with the uh, on the list. Yeah, uh, Lost Boys. I had a I had a feeling about this. I so I had Lost Boys because I didn't know how we were gonna do the draft. So the fly was my alternate in case you chose Lost Boys. Interesting. Very good. I had the Lost Boys as an alternative to the fly. Ooh, look at us. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it is my turn, and I'm going off list. Okay. This is a horror I just watched last week, and maybe it's more of a thriller, sort of leaning toward the thriller side, I suppose. But I saw it on Hulu. It's called No Exit. No Exit, okay. Now, there's many films by this title. You're going to look for the one that was... Put out in 2022. This is a brand new film. Wow, you're going new, new. So it's called No Exit. It's... I won't say anything more about it. Okay, great. Uh, so I'm that's... looking forward to it. It's something I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. All right, now you. All right, I'm going to go with the horror that's not on the list. Reanimator. This is a cult classic. Actually, no, I, correct, I'm going to make a correction. That's not just the horror that's not on the list. It is, I've never seen it. So this is my never seen. This is your never seen. I never seen as Reanimator. So it's a classic, a cult classic horror film from the eighties, and I've been intrigued. Okay, I don't think I've ever heard of this. So I've always seen the. I've always seen the I, my only relationship with it is seeing the VHS like box <laughs> at any given video store. Okay, here's my on list. My second on list selection. This is an old favorite of mine. American werewolf in london never seen it are you serious i'm serious i almost picked this one for you 
Like one of the, that was going to be the one uh, that uh, I was going to uh, I was going to. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it. I'm I'm really excited about this one. So that's uh, three yeah. movies so far that I've never seen. This is fantastic. All right, your turn. Uh, I will go with the now. This is the horror that's not on the list. Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, interesting. Okay. I knew you were not a fan. And uh, we discussed it obviously in the Nightmare Alley uh, podcast, and so I, and I I've only seen it the one time, and so I was looking for a rewatch, and I thought this would be a good opportunity. I actually am looking forward to reseeing this because I probably this movie seems like it's up my alley, and I, I, so I'm a little bit surprised that it didn't work for me the first time. So, um, yeah, no, this will be a, a nice one. All right, my. Uh, this is my not seen category. Mm. And my guess is that you haven't seen this either. This is a little movie called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is just coming out. I think it'll come out perfectly for season two. Wow. And okay. I've been told that this movie leans a little bit closer to thriller horror than other MCU movies. We'll see how well they do, but I I don't know about you. I'm an MCU fan. Maybe maybe we should talk about whether or not. I guess we could talk about it during the podcast. That'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, my non horror. Yeah, non horror thriller. So this is a non horror, non thriller. Um, also keeping with, I mean, your your preferences we're gonna go with teen wolf i'm surprised that this isn't already on the list <laughs> <laughs> i had a long conversation about teen wolf with actually multiple people because i think you and i had a conversation about teen wolf and i was also talking about teen wolf with my son as well uh he's never seen it but he's very into basketball, so I thought. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it you know my interest in werewolves, his interest in basketball. It should be a match made in heaven. We have a mutual admiration for Michael J. Fox. There is a uh, there is a line, and we'll obviously we'll discuss it when the podcast comes around. That's just one of, gosh, it just tickles me every time. <laughs> Good. All right, so Teen Wolf is now on the list. A lot of opinions on Teen Wolf. Um. All right, this is my. Non thriller horror selection. I kind of wanted to maybe depart as far as I could from the genre. Okay, so this is one of my favorite films, and it's a film that I think that you have not seen. Okay. Um, this is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, I've You've seen it. Or yeah. right, I thought you hadn't. I have seen. It. It's okay. been a long time. Right. Been a very long time. I mean. I, I'll be honest. Part of the for part of the virtue of this is I thought you hadn't seen it, and so I was kind of excited to show it to you. I'm a little bit know. less. Do you want to rethink it? No, I'm going to go with it. I, I, I like it. I okay. like it that much. All right. Uh, your turn. And so, so that leaves me with a wild card. You got a wild card. Right? Uh, this one was there was a lot. I mean, this is a, like, you're all over the place, right? I mean, I had, uh, at one point, I'll tell you the, the, what what I didn't choose. And 
I didn't choose Superman 3, but I was real close. Because that's something else. This is the Richard Pryor joint? This is the Richard Pryor and, uh, and mm-hmm. Superman like splits. And uh, I'm sure that I've seen this movie at least once. I think I've started this movie probably a dozen times thinking, it can't be that bad. I mean, it's Superman. Oh, man. It is. It's so funny because like, Superman 3 is like watchably bad. Superman 4 is unwatchable drag. It is. <laughs> it is rough. And it's got Hackman in it and John Cryer in 4. But it, yeah, Quest for Peace or whatever. Oh, with Nuclear Man. Yowza. I think the main, or like the villain, is, the guy's name is Mark Pillow. Like his real name is like Mark Pillow. <laughs> Man, why didn't I pick this movie? Um and I almost picked Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> oh, good. I, w- I would have vetoed. I, I, don't, I didn't say that it, we had veto power. It's one of the funniest movies ever. Are you kidding me? One of the, one of the most hilarious romps I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Uh, but uh, I didn't go, I ended up not going fully off um, uh, genre. And I chose The Golden Child. Oh, interesting. Because of Charles Dance. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean it's I'm I'm a little reluctant. Have you when's the last time you've seen Golden Child? I probably saw it one time in the late 80s. Mhm. That would make sense cuz that's mm-hmm. when it came out. Uh my last film, my wild card is Zodiac. Oh, excellent. It's not called The Zodiac. Not called like the Zodiac Killer, just called Zodiac. And I think that during the pandemic, I might have watched this film three times. I for sure watched it at least once. I know, I, I know, I watched it once. And it's it has become one of my, I was gonna say my favorite film of the last twenty years. I don't know if I can actually say that, but uh, it's one. It's certainly one of my favorites. I guess the question then is, how do people know what order we're going to watch these things so they can do their homework before the podcast? Well, I guess we could do that. We could, like, from podcast to podcast. We could definitely do that. Um, I was also, I don't know if if people are actually following you on Instagram. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, So that's OzFest, A-U-S-F-E-S-T. You can follow me on Instagram and I'll... uh, yeah, I'll uh, we'll, we'll use that as an opportunity too to let people know what's uh, what's coming up next. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll see everyone in a couple weeks then. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Have you watched the next Severance yet? Uh, the one that just came out last night. Mm-hmm. No, I have not. Right, so you think good. there's two more after this? <sighs> Such a good show, man.
horror. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>